sun slipped out of sight. The brilliance gave way to the soft afterglow of warm lights. These, in turn, slowly toned down into gray twilight. Helen retired to her room soon afterward, and, being unusually thoughtful, sat down by the window. She reviewed the events of this first day of her new life on the border. Her impressions had been so many, so varied, that she wanted to distinguish them. First she felt glad, with a sweet, warm thankfulness, that her father seemed so happy, so encouraged by the outlook. Breaking old ties had been, she knew, no child's play for him. She realized also that it had been done solely because there had been nothing left to offer her in the old home, and in a new one were hope and possibilities. Then she was relieved at getting away from the attentions of a man whose persistence had been most annoying to her. From thoughts of her father and the old life, she came to her new friends of the present. She was so grateful for their kindness. She certainly would do all in her power to win and keep their esteem. Somewhat of a surprise was it to her that she reserved for Jonathan Zane the last and most prominent place in her meditations. She suddenly asked herself how she regarded this fighting borderman. She recalled her unbounded enthusiasm for the man as Colonel Zane had told of him. Then her first glimpse, and her surprise and admiration at the lithe-limbed young giant, then incredulity, amusement, and respect followed in swift order, after which an unaccountable coldness that was almost resentment. Helen was forced to admit that she did not know how to regard him but surely he was a man, throughout every inch of his superb frame, and one who took life seriously, with neither thought nor time for the opposite sex, and this last brought a blush to her cheek, for she distinctly remembered she had expected, if not admiration, more than passing notice from this hero of the border. Presently she took a little mirror from the table near where she sat, holding it to catch the fast-fading light, she studied your face seriously. Helen Shepherd, I think on the occasion of your arrival in a new country, a little plain talk would be wholesome. Somehow or other, perhaps because of a crowd of idle men back there in the colonies, possibly from your own misguided fancy, you imagined you were fair to look at. It is well to be undeceived. Scorn spoke in Helen's voice. She was angry because of having been interested in a man, and allowed that interest to betray her into a girlish expectation that he would treat her as all other men had. The mirror, even in the dim light, spoke more truly than she, for it caught the golden tints of her luxuriant hair, the thousand beautiful shadows in her great dark eyes, the white glory of a face fair as a star, and the swelling outline of neck and shoulders. With sudden fiery impetuosity, she flung the glass to the floor, where it was broken into several pieces. How foolish of me! What a temper I have! she explained repentantly. I'm glad I have another glass. Wouldn't Mr. Jonathan Zane, borderman, Indian fighter, hero of a hundred battles, and never a sweetheart, be flattered? No, most decidedly he wouldn't. He never looked at me. I don't think I expected that. I'm sure I didn't want it. But still he might have. Oh, what am I thinking? 
and he a stranger. Before Helen lost herself in slumber on that eventful evening, she vowed to ignore the borderman, assured herself that she did not want to see him again, and rather inconsistently that she would cure him of his indifference. When Colonel Zane's guest had retired and the villagers were gone to their homes, he was free to consult with Jonathan. "'Well, Jack,' he said, "'I'm ready to hear about the horse-thieves. Wetzel makes it out. The man who's running the horse-stealing is located right here in Fort Henry,' answered the borderman. The colonel had lived too long on the frontier to show surprise. He hummed a tune while the genial expression faded slowly from his face. "'Last count, there were one hundred and ten men at the fort,' he replied thoughtfully. "'I know over a hundred and can trust them. "'There are some new fellows on the boats and several strangers hanging around Metzers. "'Pears to Lou and me that this feller is a slick customer and one who's been here long enough to know our hosses and where we keep em. I see, like Miller, who fooled us all, even Betty, when he stole our powder and then sold it to Gertie, rejoined Colonel Zane grimly. Exactly. Only this feller is slicker and more desperate than Miller. Right you are, Jack, for the man who has trusted and betrayed us must be desperate. Does he realize what he'll get if we ever find out, or is he underrating us? He knows all right, and is matching his cunning against ourn. Tell me what you and Wetzel learned. The borderman proceeded to relate the events that had occurred during a recent tramp in the forest with Wetzel. While returning from a hunt in a swamp several miles over the ridge back of Fort Henry, they ran across the trail of three Indians. They followed this until darkness set in, when both laid down to rest and wait for the early dawn, that time most propitious for taking the savage by surprise. On resuming the trail, they found that other Indians had joined the party they were tracking. To the bordermen, this was significant of some unusual activity directed toward the settlement. Unable to learn anything definite from the moccasin traces, they hurried up on the trail to find that the Indians had halted. Wetzel and Jonathan saw from their convert that the savages had a woman prisoner. A singular feature about it all was that the Indians remained in the same place all day, did not light a campfire, and kept a sharp lookout. The bordermen crept up as close as safe and remained on watch during the day and night. Early next morning, when the air was fading from black to gray, the silence was broken by the snapping of twigs and a tremor of the ground. The bordermen believed another company of Indians was approaching but they soon saw it was a single white man leading a number of horses. He departed before daybreak. Wetzel and Jonathan could not get a clear view of him owing to the dim light, but they heard his voice and afterwards found the imprint of his moccasins. They did, however, recognize the six horses as belonging to settlers in Yellow Creek. While Jonathan and Wetzel were consulting as to what it was best to do, the party of Indians divided, four going directly west, and the others north. Wetzel immediately took the trail of the larger party with the prisoner and four of the horses. Jonathan caught two of the animals which the Indians had turned loose and tied them in the forest. He then started after the three Indians who had gone northward. Well, Colonel Zane said impatiently when Jonathan hesitated in his story. One got away, he said reluctantly. 
I barked him as he was running like a streak through the bushes, and judged that he was hard hit. I got the horses and turned back on the trail of the white man. Where did it end? In that hard-packed path near the blacksmith shop, and a feller steps as light as an engine. He's here, then, sure as you're born. We've lost no horses yet, but last week old Sam heard a noise in the barn, and on going there found Betty's mare out of her stall. Someone as knows the lay of the land has been after her, suggested Jonathan. You can bet on that. We've got to find him before we lose all the fine horse flesh we own. Where do these stolen animals go? Indians would steal any kind, but this thief takes only the best. I'm to meet Wetzel on the ridge soon, and then we'll know. Reese's going to find out where the hosses are taken. That'll help some. On the way back, you found where the white girl had been taken from. Murdered father, burned cabin, the usual deviltry. Exactly. Poor Maybell. Do you think this white thief had anything to do with carrying her away? No. Witzel says that's Bing Leggett's work. The Shawnees were members of his gang. Well, Jack, what'll I do? Keep quiet and wait, was the borderman's answer. Colonel Zane, old pioneer and frontiersman though he was, shuddered as he went to his room. His brother's dark look and his deadly calmness were significant. End of chapter 3